Well, good morning. You know, there's an app on my phone. It's available to any of you as well. It's called Fighter Verses. Fighter Verses. And it's an app that helps you memorize scripture every week. Specifically for the purpose, and get this image in your mind, of fighting. Using scripture to fight temptation, to fight sin, to fight discouragement, to fight depression. And I love this image. And even though, you know, there's, there's seasons where I do not utilize this app, that name, Fighter Verses, it stays in my mind. And just imagine the word of God in our heart and we take out this huge sword and we battle sin and temptation each day. And as we continue in our series, Counseling the Word, Gospel Truths for the Journey of Faith, we want to impart to you fighter verses. Fighter verses. Last week, Pastor Jeremy shared on what we are to counsel, and that is the Word of God, and how it is sufficient for everything, all of life. And he preached from 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. This morning, we will look at a very key and foundational truth, a fighter verse of who we are in Christ. And that'll be taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We'll unpack its significance for our everyday journey of faith in our fight against sin. Now, it's so important that we don't just declare this fighter verse, but we unpack its significance why? Because if we don't fully understand the gospel truths presented to us, we may try to wield it as a fighter verse. We reach for a sword only to, wait, pull out a toothpick. If we don't understand the significance of these gospel truths, we're reaching for a sword, but we don't fully understand it. You're going to try to wield a toothpick in your fight against sin? And so... Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And let's see this important foundational truth of who we are in Christ. As you turn there, we're actually going to look into some of the context. So we're going to begin 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. We'll go all the way through verse 21. But let me share with you some context here. Now this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And his tone in this letter is, he has like this huge chip on his shoulder. He's defending himself. Why? Because there's people who are coming into the church and they're discrediting the Apostle Paul. They're challenging his authority. They're challenging his credentials. They're asking for external commendations, letters of recommendation. They're saying that he is weak in person, but bold in his letters, that there's a discrepancy there. They're saying that his letters are contemptible, and it's in this context that Paul uses this gospel truth in verse 16. He not just declares it, he leans on it. He uses it himself in expressing his heart for Christ and his heart for the church. So let's read, beginning with verse 16. 16, and we'll go to verse 21. Verse 16, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. 
verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their transgressions against them, and he was committed to us the word of reconciliation. So then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As God is pleading through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And let me repeat again, which verse will be honing in on this gospel truth, this fighter verse, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Again, Paul is responding to the critics who are asking for external credentials. He's asking for proof, external proof. And Paul tries to shift away from that saying, no, 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 we don't recognize that any longer. We don't look at the outward. We look at the inside. We don't recognize anyone according to the flesh. He tries to point to something new, new things. And the question is, what is new? What's new? And therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And our response to this verse, maybe I've hyped it up too much, our reverse, the response might be like we're in a barber shop, we're in a hairdresser, right? We're talking to our barber for about an hour, talking, talking, talking. Finally, at the end of it, the barber pulls off the cape, turns us around, we look in the mirror, and we're like, wait, what have you been doing this past hour? I don't see anything different. I don't look anything different. What's new? So too, we can hear this verse, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, and we wonder, what's new? What's new? Because actually, I don't feel new. I actually feel old. And nothing dramatic changed. I didn't all of a sudden float in the air, and there's all this magical fairy dust, and I suddenly I changed from a beast to a prince. No, that, that didn't happen. So what's new? What's new about the new creation? So this morning, we will unpack seven implications of what's new from the gospel truth 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Seven implications, the first imp- three implications come directly from the verse. The final four implications come from the surrounding context of this verse. Why seven implications? Well, because the Lord took seven days to create everything. And I'm not going to spend seven days preaching, but I'll give you seven implications, okay? So what's new about the new creation? First, as new creation in Christ, we have... First, a new union, a new union. We have a new union. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, Paul here gives a condition for this truth statement, and it's if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. 
That's Paul's ongoing theme. That's his thesis in Christ. He uses it all throughout his letters to highlight who we are, how we relate to God, how we relate to others, how we hope for future glory. In Christ speaks of our standing before God. We do not stand in our own works, in our own righteousness. No, we stand in Christ, in his righteousness, in his work. It's all dependent on what God has done for us, not what we have accomplished on our own. And it's all dependent on what Christ accomplished on the cross, taking the full wrath and punishment for our sin in our place so that we could stand in his righteousness and come to God in Christ's place, accepted as sons and daughters of God. So in Christ speaks of turning away from living for ourselves, self-centered in sin as our own Lord, master, captain of our soul, and turning to Christ to follow him and live for him with Christ as our king. In Christ speaks of a union. Sister Julie shared scripture from Romans 6, whereby we enter into a covenant. We don't just identify with Christ. We don't just associate with Christ. We are united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. And that's why Paul later in chapter 6, he reminds the church that they are no longer to be associated with other gods. They are not to be united with unbelievers, no longer to indulge in sinful desires. Why? Because we are now united in Christ. And this union speaks of, it resembles a marriage. Why? Because it's a covenant, it's a promise. We are bound to Christ. He is bound to us. We belong to Christ. Christ belongs to us. So first implication, as new creation in Christ, we have a new union. It's all predicated on being in Christ. Second implication, what's new about the new creation? As new creation in Christ, we have a new work of God a new work of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's so interesting. Paul here, he links conversion with creation. In chapter four, Paul goes back to Genesis one. He says, for God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The same God who said, let there be lights is the God who declares, let there be light in our hearts with the light of Christ. And the very next verse, this is chapter four, verse seven, he says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He continues this imagery of creation. Just as God fashioned us from the dust of the earth, so he fashions us anew in Christ as earthen vessels. In conversion, God creates a new creation. He recreates us. We are his workmanship. We have a new work of God. So in Christ, we are a new creation. God creates something new in us. Third implication, what's new about the new creation? As new creation in Christ, number three, we have 
a new reality, a new reality. Again, looking at this verse, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, this language, the old things passed away, new things have come, if that reminds you of anything, it should remind you of Isaiah. Isaiah 42, Isaiah 65, new heavens, new earth. The old or former things have passed away. And maybe it reminds you where it picks up again in Revelation 21. At the end, there will be new heavens, new earth, and the Lord declares, behold, I am making all things new. So why does Paul invoke that same language here? He is linking again the new creation with the new heavens and new earth. It's a very interesting thing that he does here. Typically, this language is used for the very end where God makes all things new, all the sad things come untrue, no more sin, no more suffering, and yet he uses this here speaking of the now. Why? Well, the old things have passed away. In the larger eschatological end-time age, it refers to the old ways, the old age has passed away. Remember, Paul is defending himself and his ministry, people wanting to see external credentials, letters of commendation. He says, no, 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 that's passed away. There's something new here in Christ. In Christ as new creation, we have a new reality it's not the new heavens and new earth. It's not on that cosmic scale. It's on a very personal, individual scale. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, but it has cosmic implications. What do I mean by this? Well, in Christ, God recreates us. He makes us new. We have a new work of God. We were always earthen vessels, but now we have this precious treasure, which is the knowledge of God and his glory in the face of Christ in us, right? We are being transformed into Christ's image from glory to glory, renewed day by day. The old ways, the old man, as we heard in Romans, has passed away, has died. We have something entirely new. We are entirely new in Christ. Earlier it says that our faces are unveiled to the glory of God. Earlier it says that we have the knowledge of God and see with new light the gospel of Christ. Earlier we see how we look at things not seen rather than seen. We look at eternal things rather than temporal things. It's as if our eyes have been unveiled to see a new reality in Christ. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, is a perfect illustration of this. Paul was the most religious man. He says he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He would have been Sunday school champion. You better believe it. Memorize all the scripture. He would have had perfect attendance at church. He would have served in every ministry. And yet, he hated Christ. Let that sit for a moment. A religious man doing all these things, knowing about God, serving God, and yet he hated Christ. You see, self-righteousness does not result in love for Christ. 
that fuels a love for self. It is sin veiled in external righteousness. And so Paul, in this letter, using this verse, is defending himself in his ministry. No, you want external qualifications? You want external letters of recommendation? I have died to that. That was what I was all about. Paul says later, I have died with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. The old Paul has passed away. I am a new Paul in Christ. It's not about the outward. It's not about the external. It's not about achievements. It's not about striving. It's about the heart, and this heart comes only from Christ. So don't regard Paul as the Paul of old. Regard him as the Paul of new. Just as he says, we do no longer regard Christ according to the flesh. Why? Because Paul met the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus, and everything changed. As new creation in Christ, we have a new union in Christ. We have a new work of God. We have a new reality with the old passing away. What's new about the new creation? As new creation in Christ, number four, fourth implication, we have a new desire. We have a new desire. The new covenant in Ezekiel 36 was always about new heart. Okay, so this illustration of the Lord reaching into our hearts, removing a heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh, placing his spirit in us that we may walk in his ways. And Paul refers to this great promise in the new covenant, a new heart. We're being transformed and renewed from within. He even says that he is out of his mind For God, from the inside, from his heart, from his very being, everything else changes. And in verse 14, he says the love of Christ, this desire, this new love or desire of Christ, it controls his very life. He no longer lives for himself, but for Christ who died and rose on his behalf. And so as new creation in Christ, we have a new desire And that desire is no longer on ourselves, but on Christ. We live no longer for ourselves, but we live for Christ. It drives everything in our life. Our hearts, our new hearts are centered on Christ. It's oriented towards him. We're heading in that direction. We live for him. We don't live for ourselves. We are not captains of our souls. No, that's sin. Christ is. Again, going back to Paul, he once boasted of his self-righteousness, all his achievements, yet he hated Christ, and yet look now, the love of Christ controls him. A man who boasted in his own achievements and hated Christ, he even killed Christ's followers, he was persecuting Christ, and now the love of Christ controls him. This can only be the supernatural work of God. This is the new creation in Christ. As new creation of Christ, we have a new desire, and that desire is for Christ alone. What's new about the new creation? As new creation in Christ, fifthly, we have a new plea. We have a new plea. 
If you look in the context a little further down, verse 18, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It was God who said, let light shine in our hearts. It's God who reconciled us to himself, who rescued and saved us from death and destruction through the sacrificial work of Christ, not counting our transgressions against us. And therefore, we are given this ministry to share that with others. We are transformed, recreated in Christ, completely flipped upside down, recentered on Christ, that our ministry, our message, our plea to others is this. Be reconciled to God. You see it in our lives. We are not our own. We live no longer for ourselves. The old self has died. We are new in Christ. You see how we're being transformed and renewed from within. You see how the love of Christ controls our lives. You can have the same in Christ. Be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen and amen. So as new creation in Christ, we have a new plea, we have a new message, we have a new ministry. What's new about the new creation? Well, as new creation in Christ's sixth implication, we have a new battle. We have a new battle, and I'll settle on this just a little bit longer. Earlier in chapter four, Paul shares about being afflicted This is chapter four, verse eight. Perplexed, persecuted, struck down, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. Later on in chapter six and in chapter seven, he pleads to fight for holiness, to cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What is Paul describing here? This is a battle. This is a new battle the moment we are made anew in Christ. This is a battle living in the world and yet not living for ourselves but for Christ. In Christ, as new creation, we are enlisted in a new battle. We don't fight anymore to make a name for ourselves. We don't fight to build a castle out of sand. We don't jockey and push aside others to be number one. The battle is to stay true to our new union in Christ. The battle is for holiness as Christ is holy. The battle is to be ambassadors of Christ, in no way bringing reproach on his name by our conduct. This battle, it takes place on the outside. Paul describes being persecuted, struck down, dying. And yet it also grows, this battle grows more subtle and deeper within your very heart. You fight pride. You're gonna fight control. You're gonna 
fight the praise of others. You're gonna fight the fear of others. You're gonna fight, yes, even love of self. The whole purpose of this series is to equip us to counsel the word to ourselves and to each other. Why? To help in the journey of faith in the battle that we face. As new creation in Christ, we have a new battle, but the question in your mind might be, well, why do we even have to battle? If we are new creation in Christ, why can't Christ just end it right there, end our battle with sin? Why do we even have to struggle with sin? Why do we even struggle with sin? Well, the encouragement, and this is an encouragement. If you experience this battle, if you experience this struggle, this tension between living for yourself and living for Christ, that could very well be a sign that you are indeed in Christ. Again, if you are experiencing this battle, this struggle, this tension, it could be a sign that you are indeed in Christ. God is doing a new work in you to perfect you in holiness. That's that struggle, that's that tension, that's that battle. Because prior to being in Christ, you loved sin. You loved living for yourself. You were self-sufficient. You were in control. You were building your own kingdom. You were making a name for yourself. There was no tension. There was no struggle. There was no battle. And so the hope in this verse, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, is that Christ battles alongside us and is renewing us day by day to be more like him. That's what we're fighting for. It's important to remind ourselves of this gospel truth, who we are in Christ, to give us hope in the midst of a battle and to also know that this battle is not in vain. The Lord fights alongside us. He is making all things new. We belong to him. So keep fighting. Onward, Christian soldier. In the book series, The Wing Feather Saga by Andrew Peterson, there's a character who gives himself into his own desires. He's seeking power. He's seeking fulfillment. And in this book, Unfortunately, as a result of giving into his desire, he gets partially transformed into a wolf. And so this character becomes somewhat like a half-wolf, half-boy character. And there's moments when this boy falls back into a wild, beast-like, wolf-like, feral animal state. And his brother pleads with him and asks him this question. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And after asking him this question several times, his brother snaps out of it. He comes out of his beast-like state. He states his name. He remembers who he really is, and he returns to being a boy. So too, we who are in the midst of a battle against sin and a daily struggle against falling back into a beast-like fleshly state, 
we need to be asked this question constantly. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you in Christ? And every time we open the word, every time we gather in fellowship, every time we come to the Lord's day and we sit under the preaching of his word, we are reminded who we are in Christ. And hopefully we could snap out of that state, falling back into who we once were and standing in who we are now in Christ. In Christ, we are a new creation. We have this verse right here. Hopefully it could sear, God could sear it in our hearts. When we forget who we are in Christ, remember if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We need to remind ourselves of this truth constantly lest we fall back into sin. That's what it means to preach the gospel to yourself all the time. But the reality is there might be some of you who cannot relate to this battle. Maybe you've grown up in church your whole life. I spend a lot of time with the children and the youth who have grown up in this church. And I think about them a lot, honestly. My kids included. You think and talk and act like a Christian. It's all you've ever known. By all accounts, you look clean and good on the outside. And my encouragement to all of you, especially children and youth who've grown up in the church, I want you to look deeper in your hearts. Maybe you can't identify with a battle on the outside, but is there a battle happening in your very heart? Is there a battle fighting self-righteousness that I am somehow better than that other person? Is there a battle fighting being judgmental or critical of others because you think yourself holier than them? Is there a battle of control, wanting your way? Is there a battle of loving the praise of others and how people say, wow, you're such a good Sunday school student or youth? Is there a battle in your heart even of a love for yourself? So if you cannot identify with this battle, I encourage you to pray. Pray and ask the Lord to search your heart and reveal the battle that's taking place in your heart. Well, maybe there's others of you who are, can identify with this battle and you're actually quite proud of your external achievement. You're proud of how good you look on the outside. You're proud how much you even know about the Bible, how much you've done for God. And your response to why you deserve heaven might be this. I'm a good person. I do good things. I don't do bad things. And I want you to realize that your response is no different than a person's response who is outside the church that we meet on the street, that we ask, why do you believe you should go to heaven? There's no battle or struggle in your heart against sin. You are quite proud of being self-sufficient, self-accomplished, self-made, and in control. Like the Paul of old, you love yourself in your self-righteousness more than you love Christ. So let's be honest. You may not be in Christ. But to those of you, 
we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In Christ, you can be made anew. He can replace that heart of stone sealed in eternal punishment and he could replace it with a heart of flesh sealed in eternal glory with Christ forever. As new creation in Christ, we have a new battle. What's new about the new creation? Well, as new creation in Christ, final implication, number seven, we have a new guarantee. We have a new guarantee. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. This language, again, that Paul uses resembles the promise declared for the end in Isaiah and Revelation that there will be new heavens, new earth, no more sin, no more suffering, no more sadness or death. And though this promise of being a new creation is for the present, there is indeed a connection to the future and to the cosmic future to give us a tremendous hope right now. You see, in Christ as new creation, Paul speaks of the Spirit. You look a little further up, chapter 5, verse 5. Paul says that God gives us the Spirit as a promise or a pledge or guarantee from God. What's this guarantee for? For eternal glory that we will be with him and we will be made like him in the end. It's a pledge it's a promise, it's a guarantee, it's the very Spirit of God in you. Earlier in chapter five, Paul speaks of our earthly temporal bodies in contrast with the eternal, heavenly dwelling we long for so that we and our mortal death-destined bodies would be swallowed up by life. And in chapter five, verse five, he says that he prepares us for this very purpose by giving us a pledge or guarantee the Holy Spirit. And later on in chapter six, Paul says that we are the sanctuary of the living God, a temple or tabernacle where the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit resides and he links it to man being renewed day by day. He links it to a promise from Leviticus chapter 26 verse 12 that God will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. This pledge, this promise, this guarantee is that God will be with us always and he will dwell in us and we shall be his people. It's a promise that God will be with us. So you think about your, your battle, your struggle with sin. You think about those Hard days where you're struck down, persecuted, delivered over to death. Well, for the Christian who is in Christ as a new creation, she is not alone. The very Spirit of God resides within her as a pledge, a promise, a guarantee that she belongs to God and will be with him forever. And it's a guarantee that she will be made like Christ in glory when she sees him face to face whether she dies or when Jesus comes again to take her home. What an amazing pledge. What an amazing promise. What an amazing guarantee we can treasure in our battle 
against sin. So what's new about the new creation? As new creation in Christ, here's the seven implications. We have a new union. We have a new work of God. We have a new reality. We have a new desire. We have a new plea. We have a new battle. We have a new guarantee. And there's many other implications that we can give regarding just this one foundational verse. But hopefully seven implications can round out what you can take now out as a sword to fight sin, temptation, and discouragement. But now armed with this gospel truth to help us in the journey of faith, what does this look like in our everyday life? Well, let me take you through what may not be a typical day, but what is a day in the life of a Christian? You crawl out of bed. Okay, maybe you hit the snooze button once, twice, three times. Well, you crawl out of bed, and you're not exactly looking forward to what awaits. A flood of anxiety comes over you. You remember what you have to do, who you have to meet with, what you have to fix, and you feel so helpless because all of it, it is out of your control. You crack open your Bible to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. You pray, Lord, remind me that I am not my own. I belong to Christ. I live for him. He is mine forever. You move and you reach to take your medication, pills to help your chronic condition, other pills to help the side effects that come with those pills, other pills to help with the side effects of those pills. Your body is falling apart, and yet you remember. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Lord, help me to hope in the new creation, in the work that you're doing. I know that this body, this life is fading away. Help me to hope in what you're doing new. You read the news and you're overcome with how corrupt and fallen the world is. Everything is falling apart. It's all going downhill. You fight feelings of bitterness, pride, criticalness. You're angry, yet you remember the old has passed away. Behold, new things have come. And you pray, Lord, this world is passing away. Turn my heart to the new heavens, the new earth, but most importantly, the new creation you are doing in me. Help me to hope in that. You pray for a young adult you have been meeting with who is struggling with addiction. You text an encouragement to him, hey, praying for you, you we have victory in Christ. I'm praying for small victories, praying that you take it one step of faith at a time there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. In Christ, we are a new creation. Send. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. 
and you pray, Lord, please make this true in this brother's life. Show him that his sins are forgiven completely. Remind him of the new life and victory we have in you, Jesus. Amen. Well, at work, you're doing work on your laptop and a pop-up comes up on your screen with an enticing image. And you're tempted to go down a trail of unblinking clicks and scrolls. And you remember the old has passed away. Behold, new things have come. You slam your laptop shut, you walk away, and you pray, God, help me. Help me to live for you and you alone. Help me in this battle. The old has passed away. Behold, new things have come. Bring to light the new me. You walk to another cubicle and you come across a coworker who is visibly distraught. He shares how his wife just served him divorce papers because of his affair a year ago. He's afraid of not seeing his kids because she wants to move out of the area and take the kids with her. His life is in shambles, there's no hope. He's messed up and it seems like there's no way out. He's forever doomed for his foolish choices. He grew up in church and yet he hasn't been in years. And you share that there is always hope in Christ. He can make things new if we turn to him. He can give us new hearts if we're reconciled with God. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting transgressions against us, but placing it all on Christ. And you pray this over him and offer the follow-up with more hope from the gospel. Lord, please show him that there's hope and Jesus that you can make all things new. Well, the day winds down and you say goodnight to your children and you remind them, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Child, you can be forgiven. You can be made new in Christ. He can give us new hearts centered on him. And you don't have to be afraid for he gives us the very Holy Spirit as a pledge that he will be with us always. Lord, please make this so in their lives. You pray with your wife as she struggles with the guilt and shame of her past, the regrets of family relationships gone cold, words left unspoken. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old passed away. Behold, new things have come. Lord, please bring to light these things. Remind her of the forgiveness we have in you, Jesus. Bring to light the new creation you are doing in her. And just as you're about to fall asleep, you get a phone call. A dear saint is in the hospital on the footsteps of eternity. And so you rush over, you kneel by her bedside, you hold her hand as she fades in and out of consciousness, and you whisper in her ear. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this awesome foundational truth of who we are in Christ. 
We thank you that in Christ, we are a new creation. The old passed away, new things have come. And I pray that you would bring to light the truth of this verse, this gospel truth, that you would sear it in our hearts, that we would treasure it in our battle every day, every moment as we live for you, and that we would be armed with this truth to share and plead with others this great message of reconciliation that we can be reconciled to you in Christ and you can make us new in Christ. Help us to hope in this. Help us to rejoice in this. Help us to treasure this always. We pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen.